The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In our previous episode, part one, we introduced our current study of the subject of eschatology. In our introduction, we pointed out that eschatology is nothing more nor less than simply the study of the timing, the question of when God is going to do something within his redemptive history. Furthermore, we pointed out that the uh, subject matter of eschatology classically deals with the rapture, the seven-year tribulation, and or the return of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Synonymously, eschatology is also known as prophecy. As was pointed out, eschatology and or prophecy are a hot-button topic within the church and even outside the church. By way of full disclosure, we admitted that the subject of eschatology and prophecy is one that has been going on for some 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to the Father 
and promised that he would return. Consequently, as we stated, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of books, periodicals, and articles which discuss, in one shape, form, or another, the issue of eschatology and prophecy. Finally, as stated in this uh, series of episodes, our goal is to include Jewish-slash-Hebraic customs, history, and in particular the feasts and festivals which are discussed in Leviticus chapter 23 and elsewhere, which are largely, if not entirely, left out of the discussion whenever the issue of eschatology and prophecy raise their head. In our last episode, we identified seven feasts and or festivals which are mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23 verses 1 through 44 and elsewhere, which over the course of these episodes we will be looking at in more detail. Now as a refresher, these seven that we will be discussing are number one, Passover, two, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, three, the Feast of Firstfruits, number four, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, number five, the Feast of Trumpets, number six, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, and number seven, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, as stated, these seven feasts and or festivals occur uh, throughout the Jewish year, every year, as by way of commandment by the Lord, which God's people were to keep in perpetuity meaning that God intended that these feasts and festivals be celebrated every year. Secondly, as we discussed last time, these festivals occur within the Jewish year and do not necessarily line up to any particular days that are in the Gregorian calendar. Thirdly, the feasts and festivals follow the agricultural uh, calendar of the Jewish year, and thus each feast or festival will find a particular activity going on which is agricultural in nature. Finally, as we group these seven into the uh, Jewish year and place them into that context of an agricultural uh, nature, we see that the first four, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Firstfruits, and the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost all fall within the spring-slash-summer period of the Jewish agricultural year. And that secondly, the latter three, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, fall within the fall-slash-winter portion of the agricultural Jewish year. So we will see more about that as time unfolds. With this being said, let's open our copy of God's Word to Leviticus chapter 23 and begin with verse 1. Now, just as a uh, reminder, an introduction to uh, uh, verses 1 and following, let's keep in mind here that God is speaking to Moshe, or Moses, some 2,300 years before Christ is born. Or, given the fact that we are in the year 2023, 
This set of commandments given by God to Moses would have been a commandment with information following that is now some 4,300 years old. I say this only to say that as we look at this and as we, in fact, conclude this, what we're going to see is in fact a set of prophecies which were given by God to Moshe and to God's people 2,300 years before they subsequently began to be fulfilled in absolute 100% precision by God. So in addition to this being a study of eschatology and prophecy, what we find out by way of eschatology and prophecy is again the absolute faithfulness and dependability and accuracy by God. What we see is that by way of the fulfillment of these prophecies is that once again we have proof and veracity of God's word and the fact that only a supreme, omniscient, omnipowerful God can do this. Well, amen and amen to that. Going back now, verse 1. And the Lord, Yahweh, spoke unto Moses, saying, verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. One interesting thing to note in this verse is the word translated feasts. In the original, in Hebrew, the word feast is moedim, which literally means rehearsal or appointed time. This begs the question that if it's a rehearsal, what are they rehearsing for? Verse 3, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein, it is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So here in verse 3, God is simply ratifying to Moses the fact that the weekly Sabbath should continue. Verse 4, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. Verse 5, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. Now, here at this point, it is necessary to pause, digress just briefly in order to explain as best as we can the Hebrew year. As stated, from the point of creation in Genesis 1-1 until Exodus chapter 12-2, we have what is referred to as the civil calendar, wherein the Hebrew year consisted of 12 months, which repeated itself every year with the addition of a month as needed in order to balance out for the uh, leap year. In Exodus 12, 2, what happened was that God 
for his own sovereign reasons, gave commandment to Moses that at that point, that that month that was occurring when these commandments were coming forth would be uh, known as the first of the year. So in other words, the month that it was at that time, Tishri, would become Nisan or Abib. We can verify this by looking at other places in Scripture to see, in fact, where we were during the month when these commandments were given. But we're not going to go into that for the time being. You can do your own research, but just know that in this verse, we are in the month of Nisan, as God is commanding it to be the first of the month. Further, the month of Nisan would uh, correspond generally speaking, to our months of March through April in the Gregorian calendar. And of course, as the year proceeds, you have the other months of the Hebrew year, which we won't list at this time, but there are at least 12 of them. So, and again, they are broken up into spring, summer, fall, and winter. So, to be clear, in verse 5, what God is ordering as the ongoing feast and festival is that in the 14th day of Nisan is when the Lord's Passover is to be observed. Now, you'll note that I mentioned Exodus because here in verse 5, if we digress and go over to Exodus 12, we actually see the uh, commandment by God to Moses to uh, change the uh, labeling of the months. In verse 1, we have, quote, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, verse 2, This month, that being the month of Abib, or Nisan, shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that would be the tenth of Nisan, that they shall take unto them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Verse 4, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count for the lamb. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Verse 6, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, that would be the fourteenth of Nisan, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So, let's stop here and review what we have thus far to make sure we understand it and are on the same page. In Leviticus chapter 23 and elsewhere, God gives commandment to Moses regarding his people Israel that they shall perpetually celebrate these feasts and festivals as rehearsals. The first thing that God commands is that his people shall continue to observe the Shabbat, or the Sabbath, the seventh day of rest, as 
instituted and found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. As you'll recall, uh, the Sabbath is further ratified as a commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. So, by virtue of all three of this, what we understand is that the Sabbath, or Shabbat, is the day of rest, which is a weekly reoccurring event which begins on every sixth day of the uh, Jewish week, or on our Friday at around 6 p.m., and continues until the following day when the day ends again at 6 p.m. approximately. Also by commandment, on each Friday before 6 p.m., there would be a period of time that would be referred to as the quote-unquote preparation day, when the Jews would prepare themselves with everything necessary to rest according to God's commandment. And lastly, as we're going to see, this weekly Sabbath is going to play its part uh, in the overall scheme also of these feasts and festivals which God is commanding. The next thing that we find in uh, Leviticus and also in Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 1 as well as Exodus chapter 12 verse 2 is that the beginning of the Jewish sacred year begins with the month of Nisan and continues through the year with the various other uh, Hebrew months. Now again, each month, including the first of Nisan, is determined by the high priest and two witnesses observing the new moon in the uh, evening or night sky. So as we keep track of these festivals, what I'd like you to do is take out a piece of blank paper and a pen or pencil and you can use a ruler if you like, draw a horizontal line across your piece of paper from one side left to right. Then place a small vertical line, just a tick on the line intersecting it there. On the left, label it with one and put Nissan or March or April, which will begin our chart in order to observe a visual, if you will, showing how these feasts and festivals are actually organized. So the first one is Nisan the first, which begins the Jewish year. The next thing which we saw already was according to Exodus chapter 12 verses 3 and 5, on Nisan the 10th we have an event where God's people are ordered by commandment to select a lamb. This lamb was supposed to be selected from the flock. It was, again, by commandment to be a male lamb without blemish, without disease, without any kind of problems whatsoever. And it was to be selected on the 10th of Nisan from among the sheep. This lamb was to be kept for four days from the 10th until the 14th. During these four days, the lamb was to be inspected by the temple officials and by the high priest and by others to see whether or not it had any spots or blemishes or diseases or so forth. 
And then after the end of four days of inspection, the high priest would declare publicly something to the effect of, I find no fault in him, at which point the lamb could then be used for the official paschal lamb sacrifice. So if you will, now on your horizontal line, make another vertical mark uh, to the right of the number one and label it 10 for the 10th day of Nisan. And then underneath, make note that this is when the Paschal Lamb was chosen. Now, at this point, we're going to begin to connect the dots. We're going to take the commandments that are given to us thus far in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, and so forth, and we're going to find the subsequent fulfillments that we find in the New Testament, all of which point to and identify Jesus of Nazareth as being the fulfillment of these various prophecies. So, with regard to our chart that we have so far, you should have a horizontal line with two vertical check marks, one being labeled number one for Nisan the first, and the second being the Nisan the tenth for when the Paschal Lamb was chosen. Well, flash forward 2,000 years after these commandments are given to Moses from God, and we come to the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth as recorded in the four Gospels. And what we find when we do our homework is just coincidentally, as if we really want to label it coincidence, that on Nisan the 10th, Jesus of Nazareth made his triumphal entry sometimes referred to as Palm Sunday, into Jerusalem on Nisan the 10th, an exact, precise fulfillment of what God commanded Moses 2,300 years earlier. We read there in the various Gospels how as Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the uh, colt, that people are crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is a clear recognition of Jesus as the Messiah, the one who would save his people, the Paschal Lamb. Further, from the time that Jesus enters the city, following, we read over the next course of the four days that it is at this point that the scribes and the Pharisees and the various people who were persecuting Jesus turn up the heat and begin to ask all kinds of pointed questions to him, testing him and trying to trip him up. And in every case, we read that Jesus answers the questions and leaves these various people effectively speechless. Finally, at the end of these four days, of course, we find Jesus uh, being detained by the various officials and taken to various places to be tried by various people, including Pilate. After Pilate thoroughly questions Jesus, what we find ultimately in John 19.4 is the following. 
Quote, Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, that's the Jewish people, Behold, I bring him forth to you, referring to Jesus, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. So here we find a complete and absolutely precise fulfillment of what God gave as commandment 2,300 years earlier in Exodus, Leviticus, and other places. Continuing, if you uh, look at your horizontal line, place yet a third mark to the right of the number 10, and above that little vertical mark, place the number 14, representing the 14th of Nisan, and underneath that, write either crucifixion or slaying of the Paschal Lamb. So in this case, in Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and elsewhere, we find God giving commandment that the Paschal Lamb, who was selected on the 10th, is now to be slain for the sins of God's people on Nisan the 14th in the evening. Now, in the original, the best that we can uh, determine, the actual translation is thought to be between the evenings. But be that as it may, what we have by fulfillment is that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified and died on Nisan the 14th, according to not only the gospel accounts, but also according to Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian. So now we have at least two specific fulfillments of what God gave by commandment and an exact fulfillment by Jesus of Nazareth. Continuing now with our story in Leviticus, if we continue in verse 6, we read the following. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. Verse 7. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. So, by way of review, at this point, you should have a long horizontal line across your paper. On the beginning on the left, you should have a vertical mark labeled number one, where it is also labeled Nisan and or March or April, which begins the Jewish uh, sacred year. Immediately to the right of that, you should have a vertical mark labeled 10 for the 10th day of Nisan, wherein the, by commandment, the Paschal Lamb is chosen by God's people, also labeled as the Triumphal Entry or Palm Sunday. Then we have, by commandment, four days of inspection of the Lamb, which corresponds to Jesus's testing by the scribes and Pharisees which brings us to the third vertical mark, labeled 14, or the Nisan the 14th, 
on which day, on the one hand, you had commandment that the Paschal Lamb was to be slain for the sins of God's people, and also corresponding to Jesus's crucifixion and death on Nisan the 14th. Then immediately to the right of that, you want to make another fourth vertical mark and label it 15, representing Nisan the 15th. This vertical mark is also labeled as the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Sedir Meal. Now, several things need to be noted here historically in order for us who are not Jews so that we understand what's going on. The first thing is this. If you look at a current calendar or you Google the information online and ask what day of the Jewish month is the Passover, the information that you get back will show that it's on the 15th. And if you're paying attention, then that will create a contradiction because I just said that according to scripture here, that by commandment, the Passover is supposed to take place on the 14th. So which is it, the 14th or the 15th? Well, the answer to the question is this. When the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., there was no more place where the Jewish people could take a lamb and sacrifice it for the entirety of the Jewish nation as they had done for some 2,000 plus years. The bottom line is that without a temple, without a holy of holies where the lamb was to be slain, then there could be no sacrifice. So, they effectively did away with the 14th and made Passover the same day as the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 15th and combined the two. But historically speaking, God made by commandment the Passover lamb to be uh, slain on Nisan the 14th, not the 15th. So again, by commandment, the 15th is actually a separate feast, but is also related to the 14th. So, let's review. At this point, as we conclude our podcast of this episode, what you should have is a horizontal line that goes across your paper. And beginning on the left, you should have a vertical mark labeled number one, representing Nisan the first, also corresponding to March or April of our Gregorian year. To the right of that, you should have a vertical mark, labeled number 10, which represents Nisan the 10th, on which day, by commandment, the Paschal Lamb was to be chosen by the high priest and it was to have no marks, it was to have no blemish, no sickness. And by fulfillment, on that same day, 2,000 years later on the 10th of Nisan, we have Jesus of Nazareth, who makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the uh, colt, and is chosen by the people who cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, identifying him as the Messiah. 
Then thirdly, we should have to the right of the 10, we should have a vertical mark labeled 14, which represents Nisan the 14th, on which day, again by commandment, the Paschal Lamb was to actually be slain for the sins of his people. And likewise, 2,000 years later, we have Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified and slain, who dies, who is placed into the tomb for the sins of his people. So thus far, we have an amazing prophecy of eschatology given by God in Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers 2,300 years before Jesus was born and 2,300 years later, each of which is precisely fulfilled after the 10th of Nisan and after Jesus' triumphal entry. We have a four-day period recorded by all four Gospels wherein Jesus of Nazareth is tested. He is tried by the Pharisees, scribes, and others given questions to see whether or not uh, he passes muster, so to speak. And in every case, he wins the argument. He proves that he is Jesus. He is God. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation in keeping with fulfilling the requirement given by God in Leviticus and elsewhere that the Lamb should be kept for four days and should be inspected and must pass the inspection in order to qualify as the Paschal Lamb. We also have custom wherein the Jewish priest would declare publicly, I find no fault in him. And just by coincidence, we have Pilate examining Jesus of Nazareth, who ultimately makes the identical proclamation to the Jewish people regarding Jesus, saying, I find no fault in him. And then finally, we have to the right of the number 10, the vertical mark labeled 14, representing Nisan the 14th, on which day we have God commanding to his people that the Paschal Lamb be slain between the evenings on the 14th. And 2,300 years later, we have Jesus of Nazareth, who was taken to the cross, placed on the cross, and crucified, and subsequently dies at the exact same time between the evenings on Nisan the 14th, is buried and placed in the tomb where he subsequently rises again. So thus far, we have a 100% perfect fulfillment by Jesus of Nazareth to all of the prophecies of eschatology given in Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and elsewhere. You would be hard-pressed to go anywhere in human history and find documentation of this kind of detail of something which is supposed to be done by commandment 
and then subsequently, 2,300 years later, find exact, precise fulfillment? I don't know of any. Only God can give this kind of prophecy as if it were taking place in past tense. Now, there's more, but for the time being, this concludes our episode. Please join me for the next episode where we continue our study of eschatology. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Trust in